Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. With me, Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And it's it's the second half of game week. We, we came to you earlier this week, and it was game week then, and it still is, and everything's a go. It's looking good. Can't believe we're here. Uh, you know, long time coming, and it feels like I said, I think I said it last time, it feels like it's been two years since Georgia's played a football game, but they tee it up. Saturday, 4 p.m. SEC Network, 4 p.m. Eastern. If you if you're in the Central Time Zone, it'll be three, uh, or or you know you can do the math accordingly from there on out. But uh, SEC Network will be on the broadcast, and uh, man, I'm excited. I'm excited to to kind of get a look at this team. I'm excited to see uh, Dewan Mathis and and Zamir White and so many different players. And we're going to get all that in the show. We're going to talk about. This is kind of a, a double preview type podcast. We're going to give our final preview before the, the 2020 season begins, and we're also going to kind of make our picks and, and do a preview for this week in the SEC. And, uh, guys, let's jump right into it. And, Rusty, one of the things that stood out to me whenever we were kind of pushing some things around this podcast is what can you, what can you bank on from Georgia this season and what, what, can, what it can be – an expectation. What is your expectation for Georgia this season? What do you think, come hell or high water, this is what I expect from Georgia? I think Kirby Smart has got this program to the point to where you expect Georgia to make a serious run to playoffs. Now, I don't think you say the national championship. Um, yeah, the national championship is the ultimate goal, but the way it's set up nowadays, you just have to get to the playoffs and then handle your business. So you got to win SEC championship, you got to do this. But I think Kirby Smart has got the program to where the expectations are get to the playoffs and give yourself a chance to win the national championship. And they've been there. They've been in the national championship. They've been in the playoffs. They've been close. Uh, they've had some tough losses, specifically to Alabama. But – you know, if you look at the ultimate goal, I expect this team to make a serious run at the playoffs. And once you get there, anything can happen. I mean, that that is where Georgia – that's where Georgia is. That's where Georgia needs to take the next step to to get a huge monkey, sort of speak, off their back um, to have not won a national championship since 1980. But I think the expectations are for this team to be there in the end and be one of the final four teams. Yeah, it, it, to liken it to a 100-meter dash, you know, that, that you see at, you know, whether high school, Olympic level, doesn't matter. Every time you watch one of those, there's about five or six guys that come out of the block together. And they, they kind of get to about 50, 60, 70 yards. And Georgia has been one of those teams that has been step for step with these other teams 
with the playoff teams these past two years, step for step for about 60 or 70 yards. And then right there at the end, it just kind of gets away from them a little bit and some teams kind of go past them. And uh, Georgia was playing as good a football as anybody at the end of 2018. Didn't deserve to get in in 2019, uh, no matter what. I didn't think not not get not losing to an unranked team at home and then and then uh, getting your brains beat out in the SEC championship game, but made a run at it. Definitely competitive and and had a shot. And if things would have broken their way, maybe they could have. They ran into a little bit of a buzzsaw in the SEC championship game. Georgia's been in that college football playoff race for for three straight years, and uh, I, I'm with you on that. I definitely think that that should be an expectation that Georgia is in the college football playoff mix every single year. Uh, Kip, what what is your uh, what is your expectation? What is the the one thing that's like this is it? This is what Georgia should be in 2020. They should be the team that has the best defense in the country. I mean, again. You look at the overall expectations of this team, obviously the way the roster's built, the talent that's on the roster, there's no denying that they should be an SEC championship and college football playoff contender. You know, at the end of the day, we're still dealing with a lot of unknowns, especially this year, but for Georgia in general, Kirby Smart did everything he did, he could do to, to give this team a quarterback with experience heading into the season, bringing in two transfers. But, you know, here we are, you know, just 48 hours before the game starts as we record the show, it's looking like a quarterback with zero experience is going to be starting for Georgia on Saturday in Dewan Mathis. So, you know, he did everything he could to, to put somebody on the roster with experience, and still he's going to be going into the season with a brand-new very green but highly talented quarterback, you know, for the Bulldogs. But at the same time, the last time he hitched his wagon to someone with no experience, you know, it worked out pretty well for him as far as Georgia's concerned in that 2017 season. And, yeah, that, the, my expectation for this team is that I don't know what's going to happen at all in offense, but on defense, you know, I feel pretty confident in saying that these guys are going to be very tough to move up and down the field on on a regular basis. I think this team is set up to actually perform really well when it comes to that that stat that Kirby Smart's not a huge fan of as far as sacks. I think this this team is set up to ha- make a huge jump in that area just with the guys they have uh, at outside linebacker. And I think that they're set up just at every level to dominate teams on that side of the ball. And we'll find out whether having – what should be the best defense in the country is good enough to to get you into the SEC championship to win it and to get to the college football playoffs. So that my expectation is that we're going to find out if if you have the best defense, is that enough to field a championship caliber team? You know, and it, it was enough last year for to get to keep George in the race. Uh, so we'll see if it's enough this year. And, uh, you know, I, I keep thinking, Kip, that if Georgia can jump into the top 40 in nationally in sacks for tackles for a loss, I think that that's going to be massive for this defense. I mean, it's already tough to move the ball on as is, but you start throwing in some third and 16s and some second and 20s in there, and it gets even tougher. Uh, the turnover thing is something I've harped on as well. So, um, that that's you know that's that's where Georgia's at on defense, and we'll see if it can carry the way. And I don't know from a point standpoint that it will have to carry the way, especially once you kind of get to that bye week, because 
my expectation is I expect the offense to, to create a lot of big plays. I, I just I, – I think the ceiling is higher for this offense with Dewan Mathis, with Todd Munkin, uh, with Matt Luke on the offensive line. And, and I, I think one of the more underrated aspects of this uh, offensive staff is the impact Matt Luke and the put, is going to have in the putting the brains together there with Munkin because, you know, I talked to some sources after the, the Sugar Bowl and – you know, Georgia looked better offensively, even though it only put up 26 points, but it looked better offensively in the Sugar Bowl than it did down the stretch last season. I mean, Jake Fromm was more efficient. Uh, they, they did a good job of moving the football, and, and there were very limited three and outs in that game. And, and uh, you know, I think Matt Luke's going to have an impact on this. I think Matt Luke's going to have a big impact on the run game. And, uh, and, and then you got Dewan Mathis, who I think both raises Georgia's ceiling and as a youngster, probably lowers the floor a little bit. And I don't expect Georgia's offense to be efficient. I think it might actually struggle to be efficient. But I think you're going to see a lot of 20 and 30-plus yard plays because of his ability to extend plays, for his ability to, to make teams pay for, for selling out in man coverage. And if they want to try and blitz him and they miss him, then, then next thing you know, he's, he's ripped off 40 yards on you because everybody's got their back turned to the quarterback in coverage. I think that is a weapon for Georgia, and uh, I, I believe that folks can buy Dwan Mathis stock right now. I mean, I've heard enough, and I've I've gone through notes, and and I, I'm a writer I, I, in terms of you know handwriting stuff. I write stuff down when I hear it. I just kind of make a little note of it, and uh, you know I was going back through some notes today because writing that empty in the notebook feature tomorrow that what I do every Friday a VIP uh, feature that we do it over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven, and. Uh, I looked at, you know, this day and that day, and there's so such a high percentage of days that I heard something good about Dwan Mathis. And, I, you know, listen, I don't expect him to go out there and have a Jameis Winston redshirt freshman year. I don't think he's going to go out there and complete 70% of his passes and, and be in New York for the Heisman. I'm not predicting that. But I do think that, that big plays is going to be a big part of this offense. I think Todd Munkin's going to draw some up. I think Dwan Mathis is going to create some. I think James Cook's going to create some. I think Zamir White's going to create some. And obviously, you got George Pickens uh, there as well. And, and maybe some other wide receivers, Trey Burton, Kiaris Jackson. But uh, I expect big plays from the offense and uh, not necessarily efficiency, but, but I think that's how they get it done on that side of the ball. Uh, Rusty, going to throw it to you. Breakout player of 2020 we've kind of hit around this and we've talked about you know guys let's get on the record right now final answer Regis Philbin <laughs> all right can breakout I, player 2020 just just right? one not one on offense and defense just one I'm gonna go James Cook I think uh, everybody including myself has wondered kind of where he's been the last couple of years and regardless of how he was used, where he was on the depth chart. You know, he was buried in between some guys there for a while. But I think he gives versatility. You see some stuff like Jameer Gibbs is doing at Georgia Tech, you know, returning kicks, getting the ball in space, um, you know, a few more touches, uh, you know, inside the box. I think James Cook's a guy that can that can use his uh, – vision and ability to to get yards and move the chains is and that's what you want to do but I just think that he's such a fast prospect he, he can catch the ball out of the backfield I think George is going to find ways to use James Cook I think Todd Monken and, and and those guys are really uh, you know from what I hear from from people are that was a guy they really focused on 
a good bit uh, during the offseason, this extended time, and and wanted to find ways to use him. And I think he's going to be a guy that, you know, I think everybody pretty would be agree that Zamir White will be a workhorse and probably get a lot, a lot of touches and yards for Georgia. But I think James Cook is definitely going to put a dent into some big plays for Georgia. And I think Todd Monk and those guys are, are going to find a way uh, to use his ability to the best. And I think he's going to have a breakout year for Georgia. Like it. That's a good one. And uh, it's one that I, I don't know if you kept any sort of mental tally kit, but I feel like one week, it was me one week, you one week, Rusty the next week, we all picked one – I mean, I'm sorry, we all picked James Cook to be, the, to be the player of the game, to be the guy that kind of busted out week after week last year. Never really happened. But uh, – and he's – listen, and he's had a habit of creating a lot of buzz in preseason camp. I just think now the opportunity is there. He doesn't have, you know, two guys to – he doesn't have Elijah Holyfield and DeAndre Swift to leap over for touches. He doesn't have DeAndre Swift and Brian Herring to leap over for touches. He's, he's up the totem pole in terms of, of, of his hierarchy within the offense, his raking within the offense in terms of where they want to use him, and I think that's big for him. Kip, who's your breakout guy? A lot of great choices on both sides of the ball. I'm actually going to stay on offense. I'm going to go with Kiaris Jackson. I think that you look at, again, Todd Monken coming in to uh, you know, lead this offense – what he did at Southern Miss, you know, that 2015 team is is what we all kind of point to as what the potential could be for Georgia. Obviously, having 2,000-yard rushers is, is extremely impressive in Jalen Richard and Ito Smith, but I still look at the receivers. I mean, they had one with 71 catches for 1,391 yards, but their number two receiver had 80 catches for 925 yards. 21 touchdown catches between those two guys. So, yes, we know George Pickens is going to be that guy. He's going to be one of the most talented wide receivers in the country. He's going to, you know, be arguably the most physically impressive wide receiver in the SEC, knowing that Alabama still has a couple of potential first-round picks on the roster at wide receiver as well. But you just look at this offense, you know, the opportunity is there, especially with the loss of Dominic Blaylock, to get a – a lot of touches this year. And I think that when you look at Karis Jackson, I mean, it's it's not talent. Talent hasn't been the issue for him. It's It's been staying healthy. And so, you know, he had that hamstring injury his first year. He broke his wrist, you know, last year. He's, he's had to overcome a lot of injuries during his time so far. He hasn't really been able to showcase what he can do. And, I mean, six foot, 200 pounds, you know, we've seen the pictures this offseason, you know, very – Physically talented, very strong. I, I think he's a guy that can come in there and 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 really give them some consistent production week to week. You know, I mean, they have a lot of wide receivers on the team right now, but I, I think that you don't have a lot of guys with a, a lot of experience in this wide receiver core. And I think early on, with a younger quarterback, you're going to want to have guys you can count on and Pickens. Kiaris, I mean, Demetrius Robertson's there as well, but I just think that Kiaris Jackson's a guy that could really come out of this with 45, 50 catches, maybe six, 700 yards receiving. And if if he's if Todd Monken's offense is – if he's going to air it out more and he's going to have an emphasis on explosive plays, then I, I think that Kiaris Jackson's really a guy that can put up big numbers this season for the Bulldogs. All right. Uh... 
I mean, okay, I was going to go directly into what I wanted to say there, but uh, I want to say this about Kiaris Jackson, and I want to say this about every oft-injured player in the in the sport of college football, or pro football, whatever. Just hope he stays healthy. Uh, I'm rooting for him to stay healthy because he has had some bad injury luck, kind of beat up right now, to be honest with you. I think he's got like a hip pointer or something that's kind of been bothering him. But, I mean, he, he plays as a freshman early, doesn't even get a red shirt if he doesn't deal with a hamstring injury the first couple weeks of the season and, and then deal with it some during the season. So, breaks his hand on his first career uh, – second career catch last year against Vanderbilt, a big play, fumbles. So, uh, definitely want to see him stay healthy. Want to see all players that have had some injury issues stay healthy. And even if they haven't, I want them to stay healthy. But going back to Dewan Mathis here, guys, breakout player, because I'm, I'm buying stock in, D, in, in DWM Incorporated. I'm, I'm 10,000 shares. Put me down. Because, uh, like I said earlier, I just heard too much good stuff about him. Really expect ups and downs. Expect a lot of good plays. Expect a lot of people to be really excited about him at the end of the year. Don't know what's going to happen with JT Daniels. Uh, you know, there we get a lot of questions about JT Daniels on the on the junkyard over at Dogs Twenty Four Seven. And guys, it comes down to this: uh, major knee injury. There, there's a lot of different things that go into it: swelling, stiffness, tightness, uh, confidence. I mean, it could be a myriad of different things that he's dealing with right now uh, from a from a health perspective. And uh, until he comes back and until he gets a shot, which we don't know if he will, Dwan Mathis might take this bull by the horns and, and wrestle it to the ground, and I, I predict that. I think he's going to have a really good season. I think he's going to turn the ball over some. I think he's going to do some stuff where you just kind of shake your head and said, man, that was a freshman mistake, but I think he's going to do some dazzling-type things. I think he's going to uh, you know, hit some balls that you're just like, wow, look at the arm talent. I think you're going to see some plays from where you're like, wow, look at the athleticism. I think he's going to make some decisions, too, on the flip side of the you know, freshman mistakes or rookie mistakes. I think he's going to do some stuff where you're like, man, that, that kid's mature beyond his years. And uh, I'm, I'm going all in on Dwan Mathis. I think he's the guy uh, that, that has a chance to take this Georgia offense as high as it can possibly go. And uh, we'll see if that pans out. Let's take a break real quick. And on the other side, uh, let's let's uh, talk about SEC picks. Um, we're going to pick an upset, and then we're also going to talk about. <clears throat> excuse me. We're also going to talk about uh, uh, the Georgia Arkansas game and uh, release our picks for that too. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits. Turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? 
Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Rusty, you're up, man. Uh, SEC upset pick for week one. What you got? I mean, you'll make me go first on this. Got to. We got to see where you go so we know where to go. Uh, looked at looking over the schedule. I'm I'm gonna say one game, but I'm gonna say one game that I'm very interested in. On as I look deeper into that game, so I'll say this first. I tell you, I would watch Ole Miss Saturday, and I would say this because of this reason. Lane Kiffin offensively is a very good football coach and he has been an offensive coordinator. He has called plays done very well. He's done well at pretty much every spot he has when he's calling plays now. And this game in particular, I think they got two pretty good quarterbacks. They got a kid in, in, in John Rice Plumley that can hurt you on any single play. And they got Matt Corral, who at times has been really, really good. He's made some, some mistakes. I want to see how they get things fixed up. I'm assuming both from what I read are going to play. Uh, they got a really good running back. They've got some guys on the edge. I know Florida uh, has got a lot coming back offensively. Uh, they got some holes defensively. You know, we have to pick one. I mean, if I'm betting, like if I'm having to put my house on it, you know, I would think Florida wins this game. But having to pick one, that is the game I think I would really, really pay more attention to. I know Kentucky's kind of been the hot upset pick from what I see. I'm not sure that's going to happen at Auburn, regardless crowd or not. But uh, I think Ole Miss is really a team I would be kind of worried about starting against because of Lane Kiffin. Uh, he's going to put some points up. And the game that I, I dig into more and more, at least a little bit, would be LSU and Mississippi State because of the unknown. I mean, they're going to throw all over the place. LSU, they lost a lot. I know they got really good players that they have. Uh, replace these guys with it, but they're inexperienced. You got a grad transfer quarterback there, KJ Costello at, at Mississippi State. Uh, you know, they're going to throw all over the field and we'll see what happens. I mean, I, I think LSU is going to win that game, but that that's a little more interesting than I originally thought. The more I dug into that today, driving home and listening to uh, some podcasts talk about that game and, and uh, a couple games. I mean, it's all, all the games are going to be, we're going to watch them all as much as we can Saturday. But those two games in particular, really, really interesting to me. I really am interested in that Florida Ole Miss game because there's so many different ways that game can play out. Because, you know, Lane Kiffin, I think some folks kind of forget the different ways he did it at Alabama. Um, you know, he leaned on Jalen Hurts' Jalen Hurts's legs. At times, I mean, he he was he created stuff in the passing game, but he 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 knows how to deal with a mobile quarterback too. And uh, you know, I just wonder if John Rice Plumley kind of gets it going if they're running a two quarterback thing, and John Rice Plumley kind of gets it going running the ball. And we've seen some mobile quarterbacks have success against Todd Grantham, kind of on the design run stuff. I wonder if they really stick to it and maybe shorten the game a little bit because Florida's favored by thirteen and a half points per William Hill. Um, and uh, 
I mean, I look at that. I mean, you got – I mean, there's some serious value on Ole Miss on the money line. You got Ole Miss at a little better than 4-1 to one at plus 425. So – I mean, wow. I mean, I, I, I think that's a game that, that if you got a little cash, if, if you want some action this weekend, I think that's one you might want to play around with because I, I, I definitely see Florida winning. I understand why Florida is, is, uh, is the favorite because Dan Mullen's a really good coach and, and the Gators made me look like an idiot last year because I just I did not see it and they ended up being a pretty good team. Um, didn't beat Georgia, didn't, didn't win some of the tough games, but, but ended up having a pretty good football team. And uh, I, I definitely think Ole Miss can kind of put a scare into them and, and maybe even win it, especially since that one's going to be on the Grove. Uh, or not on the Grove, but you know, in, at, in Oxford, right next to the Grove. Uh, Kip, what's your upset pick this week for the SEC? Well, Rusty already kind of poo-pooed on it a little bit, but I'm going to go with it anyway. I, I think that – you look at this Auburn-Kentucky game, I, I just think Kentucky's going to be a problem for teams this year. And I know that, uh, you know, Bo Nick's coming back, got a lot of talent. He, he's uh, gotten it done in the second half of some big games already. But I really liked what I saw out of Terry Wilson before he got injured before. I know that they, you know, they locked into Lynn, Lynn Bowden and, and kind of made him their entire offense last year. But, you know, you, you got Terry Wilson, you, you got – some talented running backs back there. You got what, you know, I'm not going to say they're the best, but you got one of the best offensive line groups, you know, in the SEC in the country, really. And they they bring back four starters and have depth on the offensive line. I think their defensive front's going to be uh, improved as well. I think if Kentucky can control the tempo and let let both lines of scrimmage win the line of scrimmage battle and just slow the game down, uh, I, I think they have a real chance to pull this off, and I want to see what Auburn's offensive line looks like. I mean, they're, Georgia's replacing a lot of talent, but you know Auburn got some new names lined up there. I looked at the depth chart, and there were guys that you know I don't remember seeing a lot before, as far as guys like Alec Jackson, Tashawn Manning. You know, you got Brandon Council in there. I mean, I remember Nick Brahms and Bradarius Ham, but there's some guys in there that that aren't household names, and so I want to see what that offensive line looks like. I know Auburn's linebacking core is, gosh, I mean, it could be the best in the conference with Owen Papo, K.J. Britt, Derek Hall. You got T.D. Moultrie in there. I mean, that group's outstanding, but there's still some question marks offensively for this team. I don't know if they, you know, it's been several years since they've had kind of the that premier feature back in the offense. And, and that's just another question mark in my eyes. You know, we all know that Sean Shivers is as fast as anyone in the country not named Anthony Schwartz. But, you know, are they, are they going to be able to have a guy that you can give the ball 10, 15 times to and know he's going to be good for 75 to 110 yards? I don't know if Tank Bigsby is going to be that guy yet or – DJ Williams is going to be that guy or Mark Anthony Richards. I mean, they have names, but they don't have, they just don't have that guy that really makes the offense run. And I just think that that continues to be a problem for Gus Malzahn the last couple of years. It's probably been pretty frustrating because that offense has been pretty healthy for running backs as far as production wise. They had a thousand yard streak that got broken up. Uh, but otherwise, I mean, they're usually putting up, you know, big numbers in that offense and, and they haven't been able to do that. So, you know, I have a lot of question marks about Auburn, and I think that the one thing 
speaking to, to Jake talking about, you know, betting lines, if one thing I would do this weekend is is bet the under in any game you bet in. Because if one thing we saw from college football the first couple of weeks in the games we saw is that just like in preseason ball, just like in, in early scrimmages, the defense is, has been ahead of the offense. And I think we're going to see that a lot this weekend in these SEC games is that the offenses are going to be behind where the opposing defenses are. So I, I think you could, you could see Kentucky come out there and win a 17-10 to 10 game against Auburn and, and really open up a lot of eyes in the conference and in the country this weekend. Yeah, I like that idea of betting the unders. I think in, unless – the only way I would – the only caveat I would add is if you've got a dominant offense, if you've got a veteran offense coming back, uh, that, that you may want to maybe take the, take the over because I feel like a lot of these coaches with the time lost and everything, they're going to want to keep their foot on the pedal and, uh, and, and, and get those guys as much work as possible. So that may be something to look out for. But otherwise, the under is a very smart play on a lot of those. Rusty, you hit on mine. I re- I think I think Mississippi State can do it. I really do. And you know, th- there is a ton of unknown there. But LSU's favored, I think, by sixteen or sixteen and a half points. And I really like you know, Mississippi State to cover uh, because I I think they've got kind of a I think they've kind of got a little bit of a of a two way thing going there with Mike Leach's air raid passing offense and a really good running back in Kylan Hill. And I just don't know anything about what LSU is going to be. I mean, that's a lot of new pieces. That's a lot of opt-outs. You know, they came. we, we knew they were going to come into the season with some talent, but then they lost some of it. So, uh, you know, I, I just really think Mississippi State can make that happen. That one's going to be going on largely while Georgia's playing Arkansas uh, because that one comes on at 3.30 CBS and then, uh, then Georgia and Arkansas on at 4 o'clock. But – uh, I, I think that that one's one to really keep an eye on. And, and you know, again, if you want to go to the money there, I'm pretty sure – Mi- I mean, sorry, I'm pretty sure Mississippi State is somewhere in the neighborhood of, of five to one, maybe five and a half to one. You got plus fi- 550 there. So bet 100 bucks, win 550 if, if a Mississippi State uh, finds a way to win that one. That's some pretty good value there too. So uh, that, that's definitely my pick for this week. Uh, guys – Let's get in to Georgia, Arkansas. And, uh, you know, Kip and I, Rusty, you've got your picks for the season coming out tomorrow. Kip and I have already put ours out. And, and if you're a member over at Dogs 24-7 or you've caught that uh, story either in our newsletter or Facebook or Twitter or wherever, uh, you know kind of where Kip and I are going to go with this Arkansas game. So I'm going to kind of go with Rusty here first. And, Rusty, break the news to us. What do you think is going to happen for Georgia with Georgia and Arkansas on Saturday? Uh. The good news is I'm picking Georgia to win. I think uh, I'm going on a limb there. I think the news that people probably will listen to this riding down the road somewhere and just kind of roll their eyes will be, I don't think Georgia is going to turn this thing loose. Like you want to see this offense. I think, you know, once Georgia establishes, and we I fully expect this to be most of the game, that Arkansas uh, cannot – put up a lot of points that Georgia going to score some points and they're probably going to sit, shut this thing down uh, in particular with Auburn and Tennessee coming up because how much do you want to put on tape for those guys? So in Alabama, your next three games, certainly with Auburn next week, everything will be unloaded, no question. So Tennessee will probably get a really good look at Georgia. But when you look at this thing, I see this playing out 
I don't know if it'd be very similar to Vanderbilt last year. You know, I think at times Georgia shut that down. I think at times they missed some plays there in the second half of that game and kind of played a little bit sloppy. I think you're going to see a lot of uh, trying to establish a physical team, which means you're going to run the ball a good bit. And you may not see that, that whole, you know, package of Todd Munkin that you probably want to see and can't wait to see. But I do think Georgia is going to defensively just, uh, you know, I always use the word from Barton Simmons, Georgia is just going to suffocate you defensively. Uh, this will be the case against Arkansas. And, you know, I see this game probably, be, you know, maybe a 30, 34-6, 31-6 type game, uh, something like that. You're, they're going to have some big plays now. They're not going to sit there just hand it off. They're going to have to – Arkansas, you know, their roster's changed a little bit. they got some really good transfers. Let's dig in their roster today with Trey Biddy a little bit. And, uh, you know, so they're going to have – they got a really, really good running back uh, that, that I had a chance to uh, watch a good bit on the last chance you. So – you know, here's the here's the deal. I just think that George is going to line up and say, look, you can't you can't beat our guys this way. You can't beat our guys on the edge, and probably going to try to put it in Felipe Franks's hands, and he's going to have to prove that, um, you know, he's he's taking the next step as a quarterback. And it's right now, I just I can't see it. And you know, I know Georgia fans want to see a 50, 50 point outcome, and it's just not going to happen. I think it's going to be around a 30, 34 point uh, you know, offensive performance on Saturday, and. You won't have to wait too much longer because you can bet next week against Auburn they're going to, they're going to have to unload the playbook. Who you got standing out? Who, who's uh, we we did a player of the get player of the game uh, stand out from the I, game? I, I think Zamir White. I think Zamir White's that guy. I think Zamir White's going to get his touches. I think he is. Uh, look, the longer he stays healthy and 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 continues to uh, get more carries and uh, you know another successful offseason he's going to be a better player. I think he's going to be a better player this year. I think we all realize how much of a power back he was last year. And, you know, I, I didn't shy away that I thought he had to show up, you know, quite a bit of stiffness at times. That's a strong individual, man. And uh, if he's got some, some good wiggle to him and some change of direction a little bit that we saw some lateral quickness and those types of things we saw at high school, I think it's going to be a really good year for Zamir White. I think he gets it started on Saturday. Listen, for Georgia fans that want to want to kind of look at Zamir White and and maybe some things that he didn't do last year, you know, put together a whole whole reel of stuff that he did do last year that was impressive. And I want to bring up a name, Sony Michelle, who three, four years after having a major knee injury, found a groove, played his best football, was was back to his old self. And and he had some good times before that. Let, let me let me make that clear. I mean, he had a 1,000-yard season before that 2017 season, but he was a different cat in 2017 than, than he had been previously in his career. He hadn't been that guy since he tore his ACL in high school. And so, Zamir White, I agree with you, Rusty, is going to get better and better the longer he stays healthy. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and go here, and, and my, my pick was Georgia 27, Arkansas 6. Um, I think it's going to be very similar to the Vanderbilt game last year. Uh, and I think it's, I, I think you're going to see some ups and downs on offense. I think you're going to see some jitters on offense. Um, I also think you're going to see a defense just kind of on the day because there's so many similarities between uh, that, that this Arkansas team and that Vanderbilt team. That that Vanderbilt team had a great running back in Keyshawn Vaughn. It had a great wide receiver in uh, in Kalijah Lipscomb. It had a great tight end in Jared Pinckney. And Georgia took it all away from them. And when it did, it was painfully obvious that Vanderbilt wasn't going to move the ball and wasn't going to threaten. 
and and that's where that kind of shutting it down that you talked about, Rusty, came from is these coaches know when a team can't move the ball against them, and and that was one of them. And, uh, you know, you saw Georgia play better offense after that Vanderbilt game and then really struggled the second half of the season. But that wasn't Georgia's full uh, arsenal there in game one. I don't think you're going to see the full arsenal in this one. I think you might see a turnover or two. Uh, but but I don't think that whoever struggles in this first game, whether it's DeJuan Mathis, whether it's the offensive line, uh, should be judged off the first game. I think there's there's going to be a lot of jitters in this one, folks. I really believe it because these guys are these guys want this bad. The emotions are going to be running high. And uh, I think that's going to kind of negatively impact the score. As far as player of the game, I like Richard LeCount. I think Richard LeCount, first career pick six in this one because, listen, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Felipe Franks, but history has taught us that Felipe Franks against the University of Georgia is not good. That's just – that's not a good matchup for him, especially from a turnover perspective. And I think Richard LeCount uh, snatches one and goes the other way with it. Kip, pick player of the game. Well, like you mentioned, turnovers. I I, I think that's really going to be the difference in this game. You look at Arkansas, I mean, they had more uh, interceptions last year than than Georgia had total turnovers. They had 15 15 interceptions last year. Obviously, a new quarterback with Felipe Franks, 21 turnovers last year for that team. And it's kind of, you know, the storyline right there is, 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 Ball security, and I think it's still going to be a concern for them with Felipe Franks at quarterback. And I see two to three uh, interceptions being thrown by him in this game, and so I think Georgia is going to go out there and just establish the line of scrimmage, and they'll do that well on offense, well enough for Georgia's running backs to kind of have a, a huge day and take pressure off of Dwan Mathis as best they can. So, you know, I, I like Georgia in this game to to go up big early and then just kind of, you know, kind of put the brakes on it and maybe get some young guys in. But more than anything, like Rusty said, give as little bit of, of film as possible for their upcoming opponents. So I, I think that, you know, maybe they're up 28-7 at half and then they just kind of, you know, put the brakes on it. My my score, my prediction was 38-7 overall for the game. Uh, I'm interested to see as far as, you know, how sloppy this game is going to be as far as penalties. I think both teams last year were two of the more disciplined teams in the country. I actually think Arkansas had the fewest penalty yards per game in the conference last year. I might be wrong on that, but I know that they were very high up there and Georgia was third or fourth. So, I mean, new coordinators – you know, obviously new coordinators on both sides of the ball for Arkansas, but I'm interested to see just how, how clean of a game this is and really interested in, in, in seeing the special teams as well. I mean, Georgia's going to have a new kicker out there, you know, whether it's Jared Zirkle, where it's Jod Penelesny, you know, whoever it is out there, it's it's going to be a new look. And I, Georgia still has the, the PAT streak. Uh, is is it the longest in the country still like 200 290 291 you know does that streak continue through this game and the most interesting aspect for me is just kind of a reunion of sorts on the field I mean it's not just Sam Pittman it's Scott Fountain you know being Arkansas's special teams coordinator now you got two strength coaches on that team and Jamil Walker and Ed Ellis 
You got Fernando Velasco being the director of player development, and you got support staff guys there and Jesse Stone and, and Patrick Doherty as well. So I'm interested in this, this seeing how, you know, how familiar they are with, with Georgia's defense. It's going to be a new look offense, obviously, but they still know the roster really well. So that does provide, you know, if there's one edge Arkansas might have, it might be with familiarity. And they do have a more experienced quarterback, you know, assuming that Dwan Mathis is the starter and Felipe Franks is the starter. I mean, Felipe's got the, the advantage in that aspect, but I think that's really where the advantage ends for Arkansas overall in this game. So uh, I see Zamir White having 15, 16 carries, averaging eight, nine yards a carry, and maybe a pair of touchdowns as well. A big, you know, first game for him being the established starter now with, with, you know, DeAndre Swift off to the NFL and Brian Henry graduated as well. I think this is a, a big game for Samir White to get some confidence that he can be that feature back for Georgia heading into a very, very tough stretch of games for Georgia after this Arkansas game. All right, folks, there you have it. To quote the great Al Green, what more do you want? What, I mean, we've given you all we've got. We, that, that's everything we have. Uh, we've given you the season on a platter. Uh, we've given you game one. Uh, that's all we've got for this show, folks. And, and uh, we, uh, we're, we're glad we're here. We hope everybody out there can stay safe. We hope uh, the players and, and coaches and everybody that's going to travel this weekend for the game um, can stay safe. Uh, and uh, we'll have it all covered for you at Dogs 24-7. We'll be back with you after the game. Um, either on Sunday or Monday. We haven't ironed that out yet, but we'll have it for you, and, and we'll break it all down and, and uh, lead you into to, uh, a big game, the Deep South's oldest rivalry, coming up next week. But for this one, I'm Jake Rowe from Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell from the same place, and you guys take it easy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.